All right, so welcome to the next episode of Straight Up Egan Podcast. I'm here on location at Minnesota Behavioral Specialist, sitting down with the owners, Camille and Paige. So thank you guys for letting me come in and crash your place. It's always fun to kind of see the business inside. Um, before we get started on the business part, let's kind of talk about origin story, kind of where you guys came from, yeah. what led you to this profession, and any other cool fun facts. Yeah, well, as a child... I spent a lot of time just finding myself in the special ed room. Um, I loved going there, being a part of what they were doing, watching speech, watching OT, participating. I went to summer camp with them, um, or summer school. Even got to ride on the bus with my with my cousin. Um, and I just kind of knew this was the line of work I wanted to go into. Mm -hmm. um, when I moved to the Twin Cities, I met my first child with autism. And at that point, I was like, this is new. This is very very different than what I was used to, and I kind of fell in love with it. Um, I was reached out by a parent from a parent with, that worked with a few people that I had worked with, and she just had recommended, hey, I've heard about you. Want to come see what this ABA oh, nice. thing is all about? Okay. And I was like, sure, let's try it. And uh, that's the end. I mean, that was in 2002, wow. um, and, and I've never left the field. For me, I always knew I wanted to work with children, mm -hmm. um, and I always want to, to go in the psychology field. And I had this really cool opportunity my senior year in high school to do a senior project where you get to work at a, an environment where you want to learn more about. And so I worked oh, at nice. a preschool in the mornings. Okay. And there was a child with autism, and that was my first like true experience with it. And I was just fascinated with how the brain works and how smart he sure. was. And even though he processed thing differ things differently, he just floored me with the things that he could do and how his brain could work. Um, and then I went in to go study psychology for graduate school and moved to Minnesota and ended up in a job working in this field. And at first I was like, ah, it'll be temporary. And then here I am 15 years later and wow. could not imagine being anywhere else. Like, this is my place. Yeah. So I started from, you know, fairly young mm -hmm. coming to this. Yeah. It wasn't like just like... And we often talk about that. You either know or you don't know. Like, this is it. This is what you love to do. Or you're like, don't know how long I can do this. It and seems so. like a hard field to just kind of jump into. Yeah. Right? If you don't have, like, the experience or the passion behind it. Yeah. Like, it's not just, like, a temporary job. You yeah. Know? It's definitely, it, you have to love working with kids. Sure. And you have to have patience. You don't have to have patience in your whole life because I'm not going to lie when it comes to my children sometimes <laughs> I don't have the patience that I have yeah. with the kids I work with. But Understandable. You, you do have to have that patience and that ability to... And by to the kids you work with you mean your children? Like the, in real life? In real life the children <laughs> I work with in this field I have patience yeah, with. Sure. My children I struggle with. Right, right. <laughs> um, but I, I think you have to really, really love what you do and you have to be okay waiting a really long time to get those results for certain things. I was talking with a therapist who works with us and she was like, you know, sometimes I'm like, am I doing things wrong? I'm not seeing any changes. I'm doing it wrong. And then you see yep. it and it's like, oh, this is what I've been waiting for. This moment right here is what I've been doing the past two months to get to. Mm -hmm. And it's so rewarding, but it's not rewarding every day. And I think that's the biggest thing. It's not yeah. rewarding every day. Mm -hmm. Like, there's, there's this, I think there's those days where you're like, ah, 
this just happened? Yeah. Um, I mean, we, we just came from a client that sat at the table for 10 minutes. And three months ago, we were like, if we could just get him to sit for mm-hmm. one activity, that'd be awesome. And we walked in and he's just doing his thing, sitting at the yeah. table and he's three years old. Like, and you think back huge. to like all the work that's led up to that. Yeah. yeah. But, and it wasn't and just like overnight. Yeah. No, it's, you know? it's all these baby steps. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and even the staff that when I do interviews, your background is one thing, but my biggest question is, do you love playing with kids? Do you mm-hmm. love watching them smile? Do you love watching them succeed and and learn? Because if that's something you love, we can teach you the, the therapy aspect. We can't teach you to have fun with kids. If you yeah. don't internally have a drive for that, this isn't the right field yeah, for you. Yeah, for sure. For so. sure. So you guys, as a business, when did you start your current business? We opened March 1st of 2020. Um, we had talked about it before that, but we officially opened March 1st. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the pandemic hit, so then we stayed home with our kids, yep. and we did homeschooling and e-learning, and wanted stuff, to rip huh? our hair out of our heads, because once again, there's that not patience, patience yep. with our own kids. Yep. <laughs> um, and then we officially opened our doors September 6th of 2020. Yep. Um, and then we actually started in home doing services in the home and we okay. still have that. Yep. But we opened up our center November twenty eighth yep. of twenty twenty two. So and that was a huge, huge addition. Oh huge yeah. addition. But always our long term goal. Like in home is so wonderful for some kids and mm-hmm. some families. And then the center is so wonderful for other kids and other families. And so having mm-hmm. the options to meet the needs of the child, the family that whole aspect is so important. So we love having both. What are some benefits to the center versus in-home and vice versa? Yeah. So all of the kids at the center are there 830 to 430. It is a full-time program. Um, All of the kids we work with are 10 years of age and younger. So Mm. some of our biggest goals as a company was how can we get these kids in school? How can we get them ready to be in that environment? So like the sitting at the table, thinking about Mm -hmm. at school, you got to sit at your desk for longer periods of time or stay on task with an activity for longer periods of time. So we really cater our programming to increase socialization with okay. peers, to increase the ability to stay engaged with activities um, and, and be able to have that communication effectively. And so those kids at the center are there full time. Um, is that five days a week or is there certain? Five days a week, okay. yep. The kids in the field have the opportunity to be full-time if that's what the family's looking for, but they also have the opportunity to be part-time. So now we have Mm. some kids that are in school half a day and do therapy half the day. And eventually our goal is then to transition them to full days um, in the school and not having to have that intensive therapy anymore. And that's, ABA is really an intensive therapy. That's why there's 40 hours a week. And so um, doing intensive therapy for five, six, seven years, it's not going to be intense sure. anymore. It's not going to be as yep. beneficial. And so we really want to look at where can we, how can we make sure we're putting them in the best location for them? Mm. And the center is really great because there are peers there. So you can work on those social skills. Right, for sure. That's what I was going to say. That looks like a classroom. Yeah. Um, more like a preschool, kindergarten classroom, but we can work on some of those group learning skills. Yeah. Uh, so that piece is really great. And if a parent works, um, we're working parents. Yep. We get it. Um, I couldn't be at home all day with my kids. So mm-hmm. there's that ability. But in-home is really great too because sometimes there are there are kids that you see, they go to school and they do great and then they come home and they fall apart because yep. they spent their whole day holding it together. Mm-hmm. So how can we help those home environment pieces? Mm-hmm. Because kid, all kids are very different with their parents versus other people in the community versus in-home. So how can we work on that? 
And then parents get to be there. They get to see what's going on. Yeah. They get to learn. They can observe and get more of that hands-on experience than the center. So they're both great. They just mm. offer two different two different skill sets. Yeah, it sounds like yeah. with the center, you're, off, you're able to offer more services to more people. Yeah. 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 Now than just the in-home stuff. Well, and the in-home, like Paige was saying, you have to have mm. a parent or an adult present yeah. for the entire time. We're not... We're not that adult present. We're just the therapist present. Right. And so that is really, really hard. Mm-hmm. Um, the other benefit, though, of the in-home is there's a lot more community-based activities. So we have some clients that every day they go out, they're going to the zoo, they're going grocery shopping. Yeah. Um, they're, they're going to different things that that family does that now they're working on, can we bring our child with us? How is this going to work? Can we work on that car riding? Are we working on that? All right, time to leave, time to go. All of those that transition that period. As parents, we take for granted. Yeah. And these kids, that's a big deal. Mm-hmm. And so our therapists are able to go with and support that that okay. learning piece. And every program, regardless of in-home or center, we work to get one to two hours of family skills in. So mm. we want that supervisor is going to meet with that parent and really help to teach those skills so that when we're not with that family or with that child, the parents know how to handle yep. those situations. Yeah. You mentioned ABA. Mm-hmm. What explain that? What that is? I know we're so used to just ABA that we forget that not everybody <laughs> yeah. knows what that is. It's applied behavior analysis. Okay. But basically, what it is is finding what motivates, mm-hmm. and then using that as a reinforcement. So okay. it's not bribery. It's not a kid is laying on the floor having a behavior, and we say, "If you stop doing that, I'll give you a piece of candy." Mm-hmm. But finding what motivates them, and for some kids, it might be in the beginning a tablet. It might be getting away from a therapist. It might be food. And our goal then is to shape that. So now you have to do these 10 things before you get this. Mm. But I'm also, every time I give you the tablet, I'm going to be like, oh my God, you did so amazing. That was so great. And hopefully as you're pairing those reinforcements together, that, that excitement, that cheering, that social praise starts to become reinforcing too, so that we can fade out things they're earning, they can go longer, and that nice job, give me a high five, is reinforcing enough. Mm-hmm. Because in school, they're not going to get the tablet. They're not going to get for candy sure. all the time. But for some kids, my kids included, great, you had a really great week. Mm-hmm. You did well. You got all your homework done. You were a good listener. We totally can have a piece of candy or we can have ice cream sure. or whatever it might be. I was going to say, that brings up a really good point. I know for you, with your kids, it is. If we, if you do great at your activities, you get to have some ice cream at the end of the day. And I think parents are always asking, well, when are you going to stop this reinforcement? As parents, we automatically are giving reinforcement. Mm-hmm. We just don't realize how we're doing it. Um, and and so it's it's finding what's effective for them versus what's effective for the next person. And that's a yep. that's a really big part of autism. Is there's that's no child with autism yeah. that, that is the same. Um, and so it's the same with reinforcing any child. It, they might be motivated by ice cream. Some might be motivated by getting to go well, to a place. That's the same for adults, too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, I definitely yeah. treat myself to ice cream. Right. I've done really, <laughs> a really good job. So. Yeah. But even when you come to work, you get paid, right? If you weren't getting paid, yep. how long would you actually it's keep going to work? It's a bit right? different reward system for adults. But, yeah. It right. is, but it still exists yeah. out there. And so we use reinforcement all the time. And then you take those challenging behaviors those less desired behaviors and you figure out why they're happening because there is some reinforcement at the end for some kids it might be i throw a tantrum because i don't want to do what you told me to do Mm -hmm. well if they get out of it you're reinforcing that behavior if they're having a behavior because you're on the phone and they want attention 
and you hang up the phone and give them attention, you're reinforcing that behavior. So we want to cut off that reinforcement and teach them that reinforcement comes from those desired behaviors. I mean, it's really what we do all day long with everybody we engage with. It's just much more structured when you put it into this intensive program. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think when when you talk about that, thinking about as parents, as therapists, we ideally look at the challenges and and end up giving attention for those automatically. And we do, we have to stop and think, oh my goodness, this is something that we expect them to do, but they did it really well. Sure. You need to reward them yep. for those opportunities too. At, and as parents, I think we step back and are like, well, that's their job. They should have done the dishwasher instead yeah. of being like, oh my gosh, you just unloaded the dishwasher. Like, thanks for doing that without me asking. And so we put a big focus on, like you were talking about, the positive behaviors because we want to see more of those. The, mm-hmm. the really good things we want to increase by giving that reinforcement. So that's a lot of what ABA is really all about. Okay, interesting. Um, you mentioned therapists in the field, therapists in the center. Are those separate people? Do you have people who just go to in-home and just stay in the center? Yeah. The field has been a challenge. <clears throat> um, they're the same therapists. Um, they have the same skill sets. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just whether or not we can get staff that are willing to drive, sure. staff that are, are um, wanting to go to different locations throughout their day. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a lot easier to find staff that want to just be in one spot. In one spot. Especially um, in Minnesota winters. In Minnesota. <laughs> the worst. The exact same yeah. thing, right? Especially this winter. We have yeah. Yeah. the fourth snowiest winter so far. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've had to close our center six times this year. Just this year, and we opened November 28th. Um, so... It is a lot easier to find staff there. Um, we have one staff that's doing part center, part in home, okay. um, and we're hoping to kind of increase what that looks like because mm-hmm. it is a, it's a it's a challenge. It's a big challenge to keep those those staff in the field, but we don't ever want to lose that part of yeah. our program because right. it's such a benefit. And so um, that's kind of been on me trying to find those people and really reaching out to all areas of. Does anybody have any resources that I sure. can utilize? Um, but they're all ultimately the same therapist. And so we teach them all the same things. Okay. So you guys hiring now or always kind of always, looking for people? Always. Okay. Always. We are, have tons of kids on the wait list. And mm-hmm. we tell all the families who get on our wait list, like, get on every wait list you can. Mm-hmm. Because the sooner you can get in, even if you want a specific company, you can get services somewhere else and then sure. switch when the time comes, but get in because you don't want to lose that crucial time. And we can only grow with the staff that we have. We're never going to bring kids in if we don't have qualified staff. Yep. So we're always going to be hiring because there are always going to be kids in need. Yeah. I would love to say that there wouldn't be. That'd be amazing. Mm-hmm. But as of now, that needs there. Yeah, one of the things we did when we opened our center is we started with a small number of kids. And so we're only bringing one to two kids in each month. Okay. with the staff that we're bringing in. Yep. So we're being really careful about that piece because we don't want to have too many too fast and sure. it just be pure chaos. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Um, so signs and symptoms of autism, diagnosis, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. What, what's that process like? What can parents look out for? What should they, you know, ask their doctors about? Yeah. You know, the biggest pieces, um, language delay is a piece but Mm -hmm. you can have a language delay that's not on the spectrum sure but go to your doctor regardless and ask like hey i'm noticing this delay in language Uh, eye contact socialization Mm -hmm. how they're interacting how are they interacting with toys are they kind of off by themselves do they 
struggle to engage with other peers? Is their toy play extremely limited? Repetitive behaviors are normal when we're young because we learn through our senses, right? Yep. So putting things in your mouth when you're young, how you explore the world, sure. right? It's normal. If we're not seeing it fade, there might be, it might be an oral piece, it might be OT might be a good thing, it could mm -hmm. be just a repetitive behavior they have. You know, kids get really excited when they're young, they might jump up and down and flap their hands and it's normal, but typically that starts to fade as kids get older, if you're not seeing it yep. fading. Um, and if you're seeing that a kid is having a lot of challenging behaviors because they're struggling and you can't figure out why and they can't communicate why, mm -hmm. that's also a piece to look for. But the biggest pieces of autism is that communication and that, I should call it social communication, sure. and those restrictive and repetitive behaviors. So those challenging behaviors and those repetitive behaviors that impede their learning. Mm -hmm. But here's the thing, if you have even the slightest bit of concern, talk to your pediatrician. If they're in school, talk to the school. Getting a diagnosis will never, ever, ever change who your child is, right? They're yeah. always gonna be that same kid, but it can give them the strategies to be more successful. Mm -hmm. And that is so important. And you know what? Worst case scenario is you go, you say, oh my gosh, I think my child might be on the spectrum. You get assessed and they say, your child is. Okay, then you can get services and you get the needs, they get all their needs met. And doing mm -hmm. it at a younger age when your brain is yeah, still say, developing. Yeah, I get those lots sooner than waiting. Yeah. It's so important versus waiting till middle school and they can't figure out how to navigate those horrible social environments in middle school and they crash and burn. And mm -hmm. that is not going to be beneficial. Um, and you know what? Maybe you go to the doctor and they're like, hey, it's just a language delay. Or, hey, your child has a sensory processing disorder. Go to OT. But don't hesitate to seek out that diagnosis, that help that it might be, it's the same piece of, I know we've talked a lot, a lot about this too, that IEP piece in school, you know, it's like, well, if I give them an IEP and they get pulled out, well, then they get the needs met that sure. in their way, their learning environment, and then they can be successful and hopefully fade out that IEP and not need those supports. Mm -hmm. Same general idea with getting ABA therapy and that autism diagnosis doesn't change who your child is. It just helps you learn how they learn and they learn how to navigate the social world that might be difficult for them. Yeah. Is there a certain age you start kind of looking for signs and symptoms or is it just kind of like just knowing your child and when to bring them in? You know, you can diagnose at a pretty young age, um, around 18 months you can get that diagnosis. Okay. For some kids, you can really start to see those symptoms at a young age. Mm -hmm. um, they are crying when you pick them up and hold them when they're a baby. Mm -hmm. They don't want to be touched. They don't want that social interaction. They don't look at you. They're not tracking. So when you take a baby and you move a toy and they can see it, they're like, ooh, what is this thing sure. that you're moving in front of me? If they're like, I could care less about those things. Um, once again, that 18 months, two years, okay. you're not seeing language. There could be other things that cause these things, but those are pieces to look for. But some of the kids who might not be as affected by the autism diagnosis as other kids, you might not see it till later. You might not see it till they get to school. Mm -hmm. And you're like, wait, they are not engaging with other kids. They are off on their own. And they're quiet and they stay calm in school. So they're not a problem child in school. But yep. they aren't developing those social, social relationships that you would expect to see at that sure. age. Because... Kindergarten, I know nowadays you have to learn to read and write and it's so mm -hmm. much more intense when I was yeah. a kid yeah. than when I was in kindergarten. But still, you 
in kindergarten, really it's about social interaction. It's yeah. about learning how to play with people and engage with them. So if you're noticing a delay there, that's a big piece too. Yeah. The other um, piece we've heard is the kids that do have those skills and then they start to lose them. Yeah. And so that's a that's a piece mm-hmm. that parents have brought up. They were talking, they they were coming to me for things and then, mm-hmm. then they just stopped. Um, mm-hmm. And that that is also kind of that warning sign sure. that, okay, something's not right. Um, it's We've heard it from many families. So many um, families. But some families are like, right away, I know. I knew right away. And then some are like, oh, this is changing as they get Especially older. Especially if you like, have siblings who are older. Yeah. Right? It's just not the same. And you probably mm-hmm. know those sooner. Right. Right. Yeah. It's a lot harder <clears throat> when it's a first-time parent because they're like, wait, I didn't know they had nothing to yeah. compare it to. Right. Um, but if you have concerns, if the school has concerns, if your pediatrician has concerns, don't ignore them. A diagnosis does not change your child. Sure. Your child is still the amazing child they are. So once a child is diagnosed, the family reaches out to you guys. Mm-hmm. What's the process from there to getting them into Yeah, so we have an intake process. So on our website, right on that first page is a big green intake application button. And we always recommend families go to that. As soon as we get that completed intake packet, their child gets put on our wait list. Um, so like even yesterday, I had a phone call. Um, somebody... They don't have the diagnosis yet, but they're looking to get it. What should we do? And I recommended, hey, get your diagnosis. Here's a couple locations mm-hmm. you can get that. But in the meantime, get that intake application everywhere. And and we just heard this week, most a lot of places are like a year to a year and a half out wow. for intake. We're around that six month range right okay. now before we can bring a, a child in. And that's and it might even be longer, six to eight months. Um, depending on the location, mm-hmm. but get that in. Get your child on every wait list. Like Paige said, we recommend as many places as you can get because those lists are so long. And if by chance they're able to get you in, great. But like the lady that called yesterday, I recommended get that intake in. If you are done with your assessment and they're like, no, it is a sensory processing and you don't yeah. need our services, great. We'll sure. take you off. But if you do, you're already on that so list. So it's best just get in the list yes. initially. Yes. Get in the line. Yep. So once we get that intake, there. then Paige calls and, and kind of <clears throat> gives them a better idea of where they're at on the intake list. Um, once we're ready to bring them in, we start with that initial assessment. So they're meeting with a licensed professional like Paige. Um, the parents are kind of talking about what their family goals are, mm-hmm. um, what their needs are, what their the struggles mm-hmm. that they're seeing. Our supervisors and the program managers are meeting with the client and sure. doing those initial assessments. So really getting to understand through our assessments, where they're needing supports. Um, but then we utilize a lot of that outside piece too. We mm-hmm. want the school information. We love right. speech, OT, anything that they're getting outside of um, their home, we want to know because we want to collaborate. Yep. We want to make sure that we're we're working as a team, not as a we're this person and they're that person and everybody's doing stuff different because that's not going to help anyone. Yeah, it seems like it worked better if it was just seamless. Totally, totally. And so that's a really big part of that intake <clears throat> process. Um, I would say from meeting with the family for intake to actually getting services, it's one to two months because we have to write those treatment plans. We have to get it approved through the state. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a whole bunch of just logistics that fall into place. So we try to move things as fast as we can, but sometimes it takes a little bit longer. Okay. Once somebody's in, they're on the wait list, now they're an actual client, how do they pay for it? That's a great question. So the majority of our clients have medical assistance through disability or TEFRA. Okay. So some of them qualify. Is that a state? 
program? Or yeah, what is, okay. so that's through the state. So it's funded by the state. Um, for some clients, they might have a commercial insurance plan as well, like mm-hmm. Health Partners, Blue Cross, Blue Shield, sure. whatever it might be. But they also have medical assistance. Um, we are in network with some commercial plans, but I always recommend medical assistance for a couple reasons. First off, just because you have a commercial plan doesn't mean they cover ABA services. Mm. Um, some insurance plans, they're like, ah, six months of therapy should be enough and then you're done. It'd be great if that was the case. It's not always the case. So there's that piece. And then medical assistance provides so many additional resources. So as a parent, you might not be able to work or you might have to be home more and helping more with daily living tasks that you wouldn't normally have to do. So you can self-pay yourself as a PCA through grants and waivers if you're on medical assistance. Maybe pay for someone else to come in and help. A PCA is a personal care assistant mm-hmm. or personal care attendant. And someone else to come in and help with those skills. Because maybe you've worked a long day and the last thing you want to do is have to spend 45 minutes trying to get a child into a bath. Or maybe sure. 45 minutes getting them out of bath. <laughs> Depending on the situation. <laughs> yeah. Um, so having someone to help with those pieces. It also covers sensory equipment. If your child's in diapers past I think it's like the age of five or something Mm -hmm. those are covered by the state okay if there are feeding difficulties because of it there's money that can help cover different feeding things it covers adaptive sports adaptive swimming horseback riding um so many additional pieces so the resources are endless plus it helps provide support to your child even when they are done with services with Mm -hmm. us it is something that you can continue on and continue to get those benefits um, so it's huge, and um, I'm not a full expert on all the pieces of what it covers, but it helps with those. So if medical assistance is paying for what we're doing, mm-hmm. it's also going through your insurance as well. So sure. it's covering that deductible piece. So even though yeah. there's a parental fee, um, sometimes it's worth it just because it yeah. takes care of that deductible and out-of-pocket max, which can be really nice. Yeah, one of the biggest benefits <clears throat> I've seen families get is that the safety stuff. So you don't mm. think about it. We, we don't think about being terrified of our child running outside in the middle of the sure. night or um, not having a fenced-in background or a backyard, like things like that, having cameras around. So if you are not, if you're trying to cook dinner and your child's playing in a room next to you and you can't actually see them, having those cameras to be able to make sure they're safe. Yep. All of these things that, that they have no control over. And sure. so that's another huge piece to that, that getting medical assistance and, and just having those resources. And then you also have a social work, worker paired with that. And so they can help mm. get you set up and okay. get you kind of navigating how many okay. things you can get and how to get those things. <laughs> Seems like so many stuff, like how would so someone much. start to just And that's, and that's something we really push to be a part of too. Because <clears throat> right. as a parent, you just are like, this is my life. This is, I, I, I just expect to not know how to do these things. Yeah. And we have to remind them like, this is added stuff that you're doing as a parent because you have a child with special needs and you have just learned to adapt to it because that's your life. Mm-hmm. Um, and we want to make sure that they're getting all of the needs that they they need met. I remember yeah. a family that I worked with a very long time ago once said she remembered she was pregnant and you read all those books on like how to parent and what to expect when you're expecting and all that stuff. She's like, and then you're told you have a child with autism and they say throw out everything you learned. <laughs> She's like, so you throw out these books and you get all these new books and then you have to relearn it and then they're supposed to adapt to the real world and then you have to take all that and relearn <laughs> now how to get them out there in the real world. And she's like, it's so overwhelming. Don't do it alone. Yeah. Don't yeah. do it alone. Take advantage of the resources out there because you don't have to do it alone. It takes a village. It takes a community. For sure. Use it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Crazy. Um... Yeah, any other fun facts about 
Minnesota behavioral specialists that we should know that we don't know, haven't covered yet? Not that I can think of. I just, we're just, I'm not going to lie. We love what we do. Yeah. Um, we're extremely yeah. passionate about it. Seems it. like it. It's, if anyone's listening that wants to get into this field, it's so rewarding. It's so fun. And you don't know how great yeah. it can be until you get into it. Um, or if you're looking for resources, call. I have mm -hmm. tons of families that I talk to for like an hour. They don't want services with us. They just have no idea what to do. And they just need someone to direct them. Call yep. this person. Here's a good resource for this. We're always here to answer any questions. And there are a lot of other providers out there who are the same as well. Sure. Yeah, I think one of the things that we didn't really talk about within the staffing realm is the what you need to qualify to mm. be a staff. And so... Um, First of all, you have to love and want to be yep. around children and, and love that aspect. You just need a high school degree to okay. do it. Um, however, okay. we're looking for those people that are, you know, within a psychology program that are have experience being in this field, working with children with special needs, yep. maybe as a PCA, maybe as a nanny where you were in charge of a child with special needs. Um, those are the types of people we're always kind of reaching out for. Um, whether they're in a bachelor's or a master's program. I always bring Paige's story up because you were in your master's program when you started this. Mm -hmm. She started ABA, and it took her three months before she was like, I get it. This yeah. makes sense. It, <laughs> it wasn't a click overnight. But then after those three months, she was like, nah, never leaving. Yeah. You know? yeah. And so it's, it's giving, giving it a little bit of time. Feeling, you know, understanding if this really mm -hmm. is what you want or or if this is just too overwhelming. Because initially it is really overwhelming. You're you're learning so many things. Um, but once you kind of get in it, you're you're kind of locked in. So Yeah. I assume there's not a lot of college seniors listening to this podcast, but yeah. parents, yes. Yeah. So if they have kids who are interested in Absolutely, this yeah. career, can they contact you and kind of Absolutely. ask questions and stuff? One hundred percent. I know it's always nice to have a good resource, like when you're trying to plan out your future right you know? right and so. i am actually just now starting to i think i have four um college graduates graduates that are getting their bachelor's in psychology that i have interviews oh, okay. with over this this next two weeks and so it is that time of year may is yeah. graduation and they're all like okay now what do i do um and that's actually when we love to get students in mm -hmm. because they're in that that state of like what is my next step do i want to stay in this field what do i want to do within this field um, and there's not a lot of ABA education in sure. those courses. They are like, eh, I had a class. Um, and so we just like to get them in to experience that to help them kind of navigate mm -hmm. where they're going to go down the road. Cool. So absolutely. Awesome. awesome. Yeah. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you for awesome. letting me come and ask some questions and learn about your business. Um, wish you all the best of luck. Thank Thanks. you. Thank you.